Thanks for thanks for joining us again. Uh, welcome back to Dip Catcher Radio. <laughs> um, today, uh, just a couple quick topics. We're gonna have to wrap things up a little bit quicker than normal. But um, today, uh, what we're, the things we're gonna talk about? Colleen brought some. You know, she showed, sent me this article that um, showed um, that a, a major corporation in the United States is starting to hold Bitcoin on their balance sheet. Um, and that feeds into a lot of stuff we've been talking about on on our on our weekly calls. Um, so we'll talk about that, and then also um, we will talk about this new type of cryptocurrency that's emerged over the last couple of weeks. It's really caught a lot of attention, and it's got some really interesting price dynamics um, as well. So those are the things that we're going to talk about today. Um, so why don't we get started? Let me let me share my screen. Uh, yeah, so here I, I found so um, a company called MicroStrategy. Um, they bought $250 million of Bitcoin. Um, and um, so this, this made news probably because, I mean, anything that is bullish for Bitcoin, like all the Bitcoin, you know, all the Bitcoin, you know, publications are going to write about it. So, um, you know, this isn't really like necessarily big or like some new thing uh, because companies have, have been, you know, holding Bitcoin, you know, for, you know, a long period of time. Um, so, you know, Companies like Overstock.com. Um, the the CEO of this company was like a like a major early Bitcoin proponent. I think they were one of the first sites to accept Bitcoin, um, and they were known to hold you know pretty big stockpile of Bitcoin at one point. Um, and you know with with this company in particular, I I don't really know what MicroStrategy um, you know is. Let's see what we can you know. Okay, the publicly traded business intelligence firm. So this is a company that you know, corporations hire when they need to, you know, get information on some, you know, some type of, you know, maybe they need to like spy on a competitor or, you know, just whatever, you know, type of thing that they need done. Um, you know, this is like one of these like, you know, big consulting firms pretty much. Um, and so they reported that they purchased 21,000 Bitcoin. Um, and it looks like they did it as a as like an inflation hedging fund, um, so that, that that's actually really interesting. That um, a major, you know, United States publicly traded corporation um, has a fund to hedge inflation, um, and so um, you know what what this means is that you know like previously like companies would hold Bitcoin mainly because it was like something they used as as like a payment system, um, but now like you know, Bitcoin is emerging as a solution, um, you know, to inflation um, and also, um, you know, a form of uh, like an asset that just requires very little, um, you know, cost of like maintenance and like, you know, it's very liquid. Um, and so this, I think this really speaks to the, the maturity of, of just like the, the Bitcoin ecosystem where maybe if this was happening four years ago, um, you know, may, like maybe Bitcoin could not have been a solution um, for this, but because it's, you know, through every boom and bust cycle, um, the ecosystem just continues to develop. Um, you know, Bitcoin is becoming something that a major corporation can allocate, you know, a sizable amount of, of um, money to. So um, I, I think that's, you know, it, and that, that really ties into what we talked about a couple weeks ago about, how every four years there's like a new narrative around Bitcoin where early on it was like kind of like an experimental, 
you know, peer-to-peer cash. Then it moved to, um, you know, being about like fast and cheap transactions. Then it moved to programmable money and then it moved to digital gold. Um, and that's kind of where it's at now, but where I think it's kind of going to is that it's going to be viewed as a reserve asset. So like something that, you know, corporations, you know, hold that, you know, households hold it as like, you know, like, you know, you, you can build like your family legacy by building up, you know, by, you know, in, in your Bitcoin, like, you know, you want your Bitcoin to be passed down through generations. Um, and like nations would be holding Bitcoin on reserves. Um, and so that this, you know, there, there are probably other major companies that are doing this exact same thing, but they're not advertising it. Maybe because they're a publicly traded company and they're, they're going to have to report it anyways. Um, but I think this is like, you know, it's, it's bullish for the price of Bitcoin, but um, things like this actually kind of, you know, make me feel anxious because they just bought 21,000 Bitcoin. And of these one, like, you know, it's unlikely that I will ever own one of these. Like if they're holding it as like a long-term like hedge, like, you know, they, they just took 21,000 Bitcoin from the supply that you could have bought, you know, like may, maybe they're the ones that were buying, you know, like how on the price uh, or on the chart, the price, you know, went from 8,000 to 4,000 and then it pretty much went straight back up. You know, maybe they were in there buying at the, you know, they were the ones in there catching the dip. Um, so, you know, yeah, this is like exciting because like, you know, a major holder who has long-term time horizons, like, you know, this isn't just like a day trader who's going to buy this 21,000 Bitcoin today and then sell it tomorrow. Like, you know, they're, they're buying it as part of like a, probably a multi-year strategy. Um, and so these are the, like you as the, as a Bitcoin holder, um, you know, you, you like to have these people in because they help remove supply. But on the flip side, they're, they're, they're buying and holding Bitcoin that you otherwise could have bought. Um, and so it's kind of like a dual-edged sword where, yeah, they help the price go up, but um, they also, you know, make it so that the, dip, the dips don't dip as much and you can't get as much as you could have. Um, so I, I always, you know, yeah, this is exciting. And it's like a testament to how, how much Bitcoin's evolved um, and proven itself as like suitable to be a reserve asset. But, you know, the you know, now a lot of companies are going to wake up to this and maybe this is what, you know, pushes the price up out of the, out of the reach where, you know, a regular person might be able to put together, you know, $11,000 and um, acquire some Bitcoin. But, you know, it's this type of activity, you know, major, major sources of funds accumulating a lot of Bitcoin on long-term strategies. Um, that, that, that's what's really going to push the price up especially when that FOMO kicks in. Like, you know, we, we had retail FOMO, just of regular people, and that took it from, you know, 1,200 to 20,000 in 2017. Um, imagine the, the FOMO of like, you know, major corporations who are, you know, sitting on sidelines, like, you know, arguing in the boardrooms about, are we gonna do this? You know, some people say no, other people say yes, you know, while they're arguing, you know, if you know other other major corporations step in and take that bitcoin then you know they're, they're gonna be left on the sidelines and when that fomo kicks in that's really going to move the price up so um this will be interesting to see play out this is definitely the first of many that we'll start seeing on this front um but it, it's it, it is a you know I'll say this I, I feel like you trained me well because I also got a pit in my stomach when I saw this. Like I was like, I didn't feel happy when I saw this. I was like, oh damn. 
right? Yeah, it's it's hard because you, you know, it's like you want the price to go up, but also like, you know, you're also looking for the price to go down. <laughs> and, you know, this just like makes the price not go down as much, you know, so it, it's kind of like a dual-edged sword. <laughs> But, yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Sorry. This is, this is interesting. But yeah, that's. Um, Thank you for translating all that. And so, yeah. yeah, yeah. Cool. Thanks. Thanks, Brian. So, if, if, does anyone else have anything to add about, like, you know, concept of of companies like holding crypto as a reserve or? Um, it's funny. I, I even re like recommend to the, the founder at, at our startup, you know, literally since I started, I was like, you know what, like, you know, we, we, we need to hold, hold the, hold the position. Um, you know, price goes up. That's good. We just, you know, made money price goes down. That's good. We can borrow against it and <laughs> spread that out over a couple of years. And, um, you know, some, some company like, you know, just it, it, um, you know, some companies, it makes sense if you have like a, a big stockpile of cash and if like you are comfortable in that setting. Um, but in other companies, you know, it, it, it you know, it's a tough decision. And, um, so it's, you know, I, 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 I wish that, that we were doing, you know, more active in this, but there, there are things, you know, that, that even hold companies back, like, you know, based on how they're structured, what type of like, you know, what, what, what the rules of their board are, all, all types of things can actually make it difficult for companies to start like adopting Bitcoin in this fashion. So maybe there is time um, because there's a lot of, it's not something that, you know, a, a major company can't just like wake up and say, oh yeah, we're going to buy this much Bitcoin. Like, you know, there's usually a lot more process to that. So um, hopefully that means there's some time. Um, so yeah, I guess. Uh, all my Bitcoin. <laughs> what'd you say? Time for me to just get all my Bitcoin. Yeah, you, you gotta you gotta always get yours, but you know, it you, even if someone buys them faster than you can, um, you know, it's all about getting as much as 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 you can. You know, you, you can't control what other people do. You can only control what what you yourself do. And either way, it's still out of like it's a percentage of the whole. So, um, you know, it it doesn't really matter that much, but. <laughs> It's always always good to be accumulating. Um, so I guess the other the other topic uh, for today um, has been this is really like it's been a like I've seen some wild and crazy things in the crypto space, but this might be one of the craziest. Um, it's this uh, like it's all being fueled by all this development that's been going on in Ethereum. And so, you know, you all have seen it because, you know, you've interacted with Hex and Hex was really like, I mean, De DeFi had been, a, had been a concept for, you know, a couple of years, um, starting around, uh, like mainly it was centered around like just borrowing and lending. Um, so like, you know, there's ne like, like there's services like ne Nexo, which you, you know, you can post collateral and then borrow against it. But in that case, you're actually holding your collateral with, Nexo, which is a company, and then they're issuing you a loan. Um, and so that's not DeFi, because DeFi means decentralized finance. Um, and so, you know, that, that's like kind of like more like traditional, like uh, more traditional financial system. 
Whereas DeFi is where um, these financial products live entirely on the Ethereum blockchain. Um, and where rather than having like, you know, a company that like runs it, um, there are incentive structures for people to, um, you know, do the various things to make the system work. So for instance, in a, um, in a, in a DeFi product that's like centered around lending. So if, uh, I think like it's what Dharma, I don't know if Dharma still is this, um, but yeah, so Dharma used to be a, it was a smart contract where you would send Ethereum to the contract um, as collateral. And then the contract would send you um, a stable coin and then you would pay back your loan to the contract. And when you finish paying it back, your, the contract released your collateral back to you. And so in that case, like you're, you're not sending your money to a company, you're sending it to a contract. Cause like when it's sent to the company, you know, they could lose it. They could get hacked. An employee could steal it. Um, you know, all, all types of things could go wrong, but when you send it to a smart contract, um, it, it's, it, like somebody stealing it isn't gonna like, isn't gonna happen to you. Like there, there are ways that people lose money in smart contracts, um, but it's usually from like a bug in the code that someone's able to exploit. Um, and it's not like the, the, whoever's running it is stealing from you. So it's a little bit different there. Um, and so um, these the smart contracts, they, um, they're all centered around providing these incentives so people can do like the important things. So like, you know, in, in the lending, you know, you need, you need borrowers and you, and you need lenders. Um, and so they have, so, so you need to attract lenders. So that means, you know, based on the interest rate that the borrowers are taking, that's going, you know, getting paid to the lender. And so like, you know, setting up like a smart contract to enable like collecting interest on a loan, like, you know, that would attract lenders. If there are lenders there, then there are borrowers, and the borrowers and the lenders, they set the interest rate based on, based on you know, what, what's available. Um, and so um, that, that was like kind of how DeFi kind of started off was like around, around borrowing and, and lending. And then it, it uh, had a, a pretty big, um, research, like kind of like a, a, the new wave of innovation was around these decentralized, um, these decentralized exchanges. Um, so that, those are things like Uniswap. Um, so, you know, there's, there's Uniswap, Airsoft, you know, all these different ones. And the way that these decentralized exchanges work is that they're a smart contract. So it's not like Coinbase where you're depositing your, your Bitcoin or Ethereum on Coinbase and then trading, um, in, in Uniswap, you, you connect your MetaMask wallet to these, um, to these smart contracts and the trading happens um, through a contract. So you're, um, you're in control of your um, keys 100% of the time. So it's actually like just in general, a much safer way to trade because you don't have to deposit your money on an exchange that could get hacked. Um, and so, um, this like you know just these these exchanges having you know become so big and with things like like uniswap definitely leads the way 
Um, let's see if we can find, yeah. Um, so Uniswap is, um, you know, a really, really, you know, it's such an awesome concept where it's an exchange that um, it, it operates by um, not having buyers and sellers trade with each other, but where buyers and sellers um, trade with a liquidity pool. Um, and so um, what you can do is you can, if you have two assets that are trading here, so just for example, let's just look at, at the hex one. So right now there is $2 million worth of liquidity. And so um, there's 2,949 ETH and 380 million hex. And this, this, like this ETH and the hex are um, inside this liquidity pool. And the liquidity pool collects trades. And so this is our trade trading fees. And so this is a really big innovation in the crypto space because um, it gives people the opportunity to make money as an exchange. So like when you, when you trade on Coinbase, Coinbase takes a trading fee because they're the ones who are providing liquidity. You know, like they, they, they have like the, you know, the, the platform that people are trading on. So like, you know, they created the liquidity. So they uh, get to, you know, get the, get the fee. Um, but with these liquidity pools, like, you know, you as an individual, like, like we can go, let's look at the smallest contributor, see if we can gather how much they have. Okay. So like you can, you can add like negligible amounts of money to this liquidity pool. Um, you know, like less than a dollar, like any, any size can participate. Um, and so it like what what DeFi really represents is that every role that a financial institution once you know served in the market, people with Ethereum addresses can now serve that role. So you know you can be someone who's you know borrowing, or you can be someone who's lending money to borrowers. You know usually it's banks that lend money to, to people who are borrowing. You know, but now you can interact with these smart contracts and you can be the lender or, um, you know, on traditional exchanges, um, you know, like in the stock market, there are people that are called market makers. And in that case, market makers are the liquidity providers. So market makers have special deals with the um, with the uh, like brokers and they get a fee for providing liquidity. So that means that like when you just look up a market maker. Um, so this is like, it, it's, it's where they're, they're not trying to buy low and sell high. Like they're not trying to like predict where the price is going. They're trading really small, you know, small uh, like time frame trades. Um, and they're doing that because they, um, they, they're being paid a trading fee for being a, a liquidity provider. So it's kind of like this, you know, the same concept that exists in traditional markets where like usually it's someone at the firm who's trading on that strategy. So it's kind of like a, 
you know, they're pretty much using bots that just like, you know, as like price moves on like really small timeframes, they're like placing buy and sell orders and they're doing that because like they're the ones making the fees. Um, and so, um, you know, any activity that like a financial institution would do, you can now do. Um, and so that, that's where I think the DeFi is really like a big, um, it, it, it has disruptive potential because um, there's so many benefits to um, financial systems where the customers are in complete control of their funds at all times. Um, and where um, there's not like a, you're, you're not paying a premium because your trading fee needs to fund a major financial institution. So like it, it overall leads to like just decrease in like the, the cost of conducting business in this fashion, because you don't have to factor in like, you know, being able to fund like a, you know, a big fancy building, um, you know, with all these employees, um, you know, to perform, you know, to, to, to be like, you know, the, like a counterparty in like, you know, these financial contracts, like all this is done on the chain and um, you know, you, so it, 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 I think it's going to lead to um, like a lot of financial services that couldn't really exist in traditional markets because, um, you know, it, it just might not be feasible. Um, but I think that like, because it's just like a different risk profile um, in, in the DeFi space, um, I, I think there's going to be a lot of innovation um, around like different types of financial products, different types of insurance products, um, you know, different, you know, index fund, like all, all types of stuff. Um, it, we're we're going to see a lot of innovation in, and um, I think that's where the, like the, going to be the source of a lot of really exciting opportunities, um, you know, throughout this next crypto bull market. Um, and so Hex really kind of introduced me to this world. Um, and, um, and, but, you know, you know, and, and I, and I think Hex is, you know, Hex, I think like, you know, the, the more I've learned about these different types of, of like DeFi cryptocurrencies, like the goal with like all of these DeFi systems is to earn yield. Um, it's all about, you know, where you have money and then you can compound it over time. That's like the primary goal. Um, and, you know, what, what, what I think is going to really push the price of Hex up over the long run is that, um, there's obviously a lot of demand for for yield generating, uh, you know, cryptocurrencies or like these systems that generate yield based on your crypto. Um, but there's a lot of written, and these are this is what we'll, we're going to talk about here in just a minute. Like there are because this stuff is like so new, and a lot of these things are like these like Rube Goldberg machine like smart contracts. A lot can go wrong, and because Rube Goldberg, that's funny. Why? That's funny. Yeah, like that's kind of how some of these are. And like where, you know, because it's all like all these smart contracts, like here, like we can look at the, um, you know, Uniswap smart contract. Like all, all of the, um, like all of these like Ethereum contracts, like it's just code. And so people, it, like it's easy to produce. Um, because you just like write the code and then launch it. Um, but you know, you, this, this stuff is so cutting edge that like sometimes best practices really haven't been established and 
people, you know, ship code that has bugs. Like it's hard to write code that doesn't have bugs. Um, some of the stuff's hard to test too. And so a lot can go wrong. Um, and so there is a lot of risk. Um, but I think what Hex will emerge as is one of the least risky ways of earning yield, which is funny because like Hex is, you know, pretty high risk, you know, it like it has other risks, like, you know, uh, like supply centralization is like one of the big risks in Hex. You know, like there's a couple wallets that have a massive amount of supply. Um, and, you know, so like that's a risk, you know, and, and then there's like the general like exchange rate risk, um, you know, where price can go up and down. There's not counterparty risk, which is good, um, you know, and the yield like it, it's, it's like guaranteed. Um, and so there's no, there's no like counterparty risk that you like you'll, you'll get delivery of your yield. Whereas with other, other like yield generating crypto products, um, you know, sometimes you might not get your yield um, or the transaction fee will be higher than your yield was. And so like different things like that um, will, um, you know, like, you know, there's probably going to be hysteria where like the fundamentals of these things don't really matter. Um, but the, like, I, I think Hex is going to stand up pretty strong to some of these like Rube Goldberg machine things because Hex is a lot simpler than how the, the yield is generated in a lot of these other things. Um, and it doesn't, and, and the, the ability to produce yield does not rely on new investors coming in. And that, that's really, and what's really like interesting about that concept is that, um, a lot of like kind of the Ethereum, like DeFi establishment. So like, you know, just like the, the, the Ethereum people on online, they actually like really hate Richard Hart and they really hate Hex. And there's been a lot of like gatekeeping, like, like Hex is it, Hex is like, uh, up until recently, it was like the number one trading volume coin on Uniswap. It really like brought Uniswap out of obscurity. Like Hex was the first major use case of, of Uniswap. Um, and it does all the things that people in DeFi want, which is like, you know, generate yield, does like the staking, like all these things. But people just hate Hex because they thought it was a, like, a, a, like a Ponzi scam. Um, but what's interesting is that a lot of these like DeFi products, um, the yield only lasts as long as there are new investors coming in, which is actually like pretty Ponzi scheme-like, where like Ponzi schemes fail when the new investors uh, stop coming in and they can't be making out the, the, the payments that they were claiming were investment returns, but were really just like new investor money. Um, so like, I think that there's going to be like at, at one point in time, I, I think there's, you know, after some crazy hysteria, um, I think there's gonna be a big crack of boom where um, the, the systems that emerge is being able to like produce risk-free yield. Um, I think that Hex is going to emerge from that as a really strong form of uh, like a really strong currency that could be kind of like a DeFi reserve currency, you know, where, um, you know, maybe you could take out a loan where if you have hex staked or, or you know, maybe, maybe, you know, like, you know how we, we talk about posting Bitcoin as collateral and taking out a loan um, with like DeFi, you know, you can post other things as collateral, you know, maybe hex might be an, like a great, tool for using as collateral um, to extend a line of credit where like, you know, the, the person who's lending it maybe gets, you know, the interest from that. Um, and, you know, the person that's paying it, you know, maybe gets to pay a lower interest rate or something. 
uh, because because the like the remainder of the interest is is guaranteed by the contract. Um, so I think there's you know going to be a lot of innovation, um, and then with that comes just like crazy opportunities for in, in price. Um, so like a couple of examples. Um, so here there this like this is a site that we always look at the Uniswap Vision. I used just like a random coin. I was literally just like browsing here. Like, I don't even know what this is. I think, or no, uh, Ty and I looked it up today, actually. Uh, it's like a social media site that has this like coin involved. Just like randomly, like just, you know, in the last couple of days, it like, it requires such little money to push the price up on these things. Um, you know, like this thing's up like a thousand percent. Like, you know, and like, what is this? Like, you know, it's so like the, the markets in this phase where things are just like going up. And I think Hema asked me about uh, like this one. Was it Acro, Hema? Is she still on? I'll have to, I, I, you know, but like, you know, all, all these different coins that just trade on Uniswap, like because they're trading in this um, like DeFi environment, um, it like, you know, anybody can just like buy. You don't need to set up an account to buy this like you can just buy it. And so like there, there's all these different coins that are, that are listed on here. Um, and, um, and I think that like, this is where like, you know, the big opportunities are going to continue to be, you know, like Hex was like the first one that really burst onto the scene. Another example is one called the SNX, you know, which has, um, you know, gone up a lot. Um, and so I wonder if so you look there's at every, I wonder if you looked at every single coin listed on Uniswap right now and looked at the percent returns over the past month, say, uh -huh. um, I wonder what the average would be. And I, I bet it would be, you know, insane. Oh, yeah. um, even if it's volume weighted. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if that means, you know, DeFi bubble right now. Yeah, I mean, it, it very well, could, let, let me find, there's a site where you can look at the Uniswap chart. Um, let me see if I can, I can find it real quick. Um, and then, cause there's a site that aggregates all these in a little bit different way than, um, let's see, I think, little one sec, let me try to, let me try to find. There's a site that, um, that you can, it, it just like compiles all of the, all of the um, Uniswap charts. Let me see if I can quickly find it. If not, um, we might not be able to. Just because I, I do want to see, you know, kind of see some of these other. Um, What is here? Let's see if we can just Google it. Uh, Uniswap price. Um, let's see if.
Okay, well, we'll, we'll just look at, we'll just look on, on these, but I mean, you know, a lot of these ones, like, you know, each one has like its own, like, you know, crazy DeFi, like, you know, use case. Some of them are like the ones that are um, like, so, you know, like ones like Lend, this one's like based around like borrowing and lending and, and just like, you know, that's pretty crazy. Um, you know, like there, so like, you know, Hex, Hex is just one of the one, like Hex was the first one that had like a, like a major, push to the upside. But, you know, there's a lot of other opportunities on, on Uniswap. Um, and what's interesting about like the whole DeFi movement is that there's this concept of yield farming. Um, and what yield farming pretty much is, is where you are um, holding, like you hold money as collateral and then you borrow funds and then you take those funds over to somewhere where you can lend them and or stake them and earn interest. And then the amount that you're earning is greater than the amount that you're paying in interest. So like people are like what, what some of these coin like lend a big part of lend going up so much uh, lend in particular was one of these like yield farming systems where you have to like buy the coin to like earn interest on it and so people were borrowing money to buy the coins to earn interest and like playing this like arbitrage across different like DeFi products where like you could get one interest right here you could borrow at one interest right here and then lend it another interest right over there and so you know people or, or like you know you borrow at some interest rate and then you provide liquidity in this other system and you earn fees over there so like there's a couple of different ways that people do it, but that's generally the, the concept is that you um, like yield farming traditionally is like where you're, where you're borrowing funds to then lend them out. So it's kind of like this circular, like kind of like, you know, it, I don't know how sustainable some of these things are going to be. Um, but because it's like just starting, I think there, it, there's a lot more room to add to it before it like becomes unsustainable. Um, and so that, that's kind of, I think that's even kind of taken some of the air out of hex. Like when we look at the hex chart, um, you know, like we're, we're right back down in the, in the bottom of this range. Um, I think that just like over this period of time, um, there was a lot of opportunity to be buying some of these like other DeFi products. Um, and, you know, and since like Hex had like had like its first like, you know, thousand percent move up, people are looking for things before they have that first thousand percent move up. Um, and so, and like just during these months, the whole concept of yield farming was becoming really popular. You know, like there are all these articles about it. Um, and um, so the like, the, the, these, these like, what it really shows to me is that there's a lot of demand for earning yield on crypto. Um, and so that's the, um, you know, and so like the, the, the borrowing and lending and earning interest is one way, the like being a liquidity provider is another way. Um, and then trading is the other way. And so like, you know, trading is high risk, but, um, you know, but it, you know, like that, that's pretty much like, those are your options. Um, and so DeFi is really kind of, you know, creating these systems that people can, um, you know, do these things. And because it's so new and there's so many unknowns and there's a lot of risk, the reward is also really good when it works out. So, um, you know, 
know, there, there's, you know, just been some pretty crazy things that just pumped in price that, you know, like, you know, like, so there's lend that we saw that was, you know, pumping in price. Um, YFI, I think was another one. I mean, you know, so this started at two now it's at like 14. Um, and so the, 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 the classical, so like we'll, we, we should talk about like the whole like borrowing and lending and like liquidity providing yield uh, at one, one point in time, but um, at another time, but because the, the, the type of coin that is really kind of caught my interest is um, they're, they're, coin, they're, they're, they're called rebase coins. Um, and so one, one example is it's called Ample. Um, and so what Ample is, is a, it's a stable coin um, that is meant to be pegged to the dollar. And rather than keeping the peg to the dollar through a, like, ha like having a company that runs the stable coin who has a bank account that they keep a one-to-one -one backing of all of the issued stable coin to, you know, where one, one stable coin equals $1 in, in their bank account. Like that's what Tether does. That's what USDC does. Um, and so, and, and that can cause problems, you know, like if, if their bank account got shut down or if just something happened, um, you know, they can lose the one-to-one -one backing. So like the whole concept of stable coins is like, it's a tough problem to solve already. Cause like, you know, like prices don't want to stay stable. You know, like prices go to where they like think like the price should be. Like if, you know, price factors in risk, it factors in circumstance and it, you know, like the price emerges as like where the supply and the demand meet. Um, and so pegging a currency, pegging a cryptocurrency to like something in, in like the physical world or like, or to something that's outside of like the crypto world that's a really difficult task. And so things like Ample and then this new one that just launched um, that, that I bought some of called Yam, um, rather than uh, setting the peg by keeping a bank account that they keep backed where like one Ample equals $1 in their bank account, as the price of these things go up, so here we'll look at Ample because it has a couple of days of, or a couple of weeks of activity. When the price of Ample goes up, the supply of ample gets multiplied and so this is actually like real like crazy to wrap your mind around because Show the ample fourth dashboard so um here's the the supply so we'll look at percentage and we'll look at okay 90 days so as the so as the price goes up the way it corrects for that is it increases the supply because that, you know, more supply than, than people will start selling and the price will go down. Um, and so, you know, for the first couple of weeks, we're just kind of hanging around zero because price was pretty close to the, the target. Um, you know, price was in the target range for a while. So there's really not much like, so the, the supply isn't changing, but when people started buying it, the price was going up. And then as the price was going up, the supply was increasing. So you see here, like, you know, price started going up. And then, um, so let's look at on the 28th. So price had gone to like 
128. And then, so in response to that, the ample supply suddenly increased by 2.69%. So everybody suddenly had 2.69% more ample in their wallet. Like it literally shows up in your MetaMask. Like one day you had 10 and then when the, it's called a rebase, when this like supply scaling happens, you now have, um, you know, 12.695 ample. Um, and so since the supply increased um, and here like price continued to go up, like when the price like moved up, that rebase didn't bring it down. What the market saw that as is the price went up and my balance went up. So now in people's heads, they're like, okay, I spent a hundred dollars on, and I got a hundred ample. Now my amples are all worth 120. And now I have 2% more of them. And so like that, the, you know, 20% gain in price is amplified by the 2% gain in, in their balance. And so people just, you know, on their, in their wallet, they see the dollar value go up so much. Um, and, and that they're not selling, they're buying more. And so people kept buying up the price of Ample. Um, and then, you know, so like the price continued to go up. And so in response to the increasing price, um, the supply increases at an even greater rate. So as people were FOMO buying into Ample, pushing the price up, they were amplifying their balance because, you know, at this point in time, Ample was increasing at a 15% rate. And so, you know, what, what day was that? Uh, looks like in between the 28th and the 5th. So like on this day, price was at 250, you know, and your amount was increasing by 15%. So um, that like when price is going up, it's like really going up because you're getting more of it. But, you know, so that, that, that's like great when price is going up. But it also works the same in the opposite direction, where when um, where you have the uh, like you know so it's because it's the the rebase is positive when price is high and it needs to and and the, the goal is to make price go down, but when price goes down below the target, the way that it corrects for that is it decreases supply. So say, you know, you saw this like craziness in the market, you know, the price went up a lot, the supply went up a lot. Now the, like the price has gone down below the target rate. Like, but say, you know, price hit a dollar, you're like, okay, I'm going to buy in here. So you, you buy a hundred dollars of Ample at $1 each. Um, if now price goes down, you know, so, so here, the, the lowest that price got to was, 65 cents and so to correct for the price of ample having gone down so now your 100 ample that you bought is worth 65 cents and on top of that your the amount that's in your wallet gets decreased by negative three and a half percent so just how they you know the supply increases to bring the price down 
the supply decreases to bring the price up. And so if you're holding ample when the price is going down negative or when the price is going below one and you're holding through these negative rebases, your balance is going down and the, and the dollar value is going down at the same time. And so it makes your losses look much bigger. So um, what's interesting about these coins is that like they're, 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 you know, kind of early on have been categorized into the group of stable coins. But in reality, these, these types of coins that adjust the supply based on the price, they are more like volatility coins where like, because there's this like feedback loop where as price is going up, you want to buy more because like your amount gets multiplied. Um, you know, so it's like, you know, it, it like pushes the price up, up to the point where it's like not just like where, where the buyers run out of energy and then the effect of like the decreasing supply starts to take over and then like people start having losses. So like, it like amplifies the gains and it amplifies the losses. So it's not really stable. It's actually like extra volatile, but extra volatile around, around like the $1 range. Um, so Ryan, what can you like, why, what are they trying to solve with that? Like, what is that? Like, what is that? Per what's the purpose of, of that, of getting more when it goes up and, and losing it when it goes down? Like, why is that built into Ample? It's, it's built into Ample to keep the peg with the dollar. So, um, like, and the, the reason that stable coins are useful is because they're useful in issuing loans um, because the value of, of the thing that you borrow, um, it's like having your collateral go up in price a lot is good for the, it's good for the borrower and good for the lender. Um, and, but having like the price of the thing that is lent out change a lot is hard for the lender. Um, and so stable coins are like useful in, in lending applications. And so that's why it's like desired to have something that like hugs around a dollar. Um, and what Ample tries to solve with that changing supply is that Ample isn't a company that holds dollars on reserve to keep the peg. And Ample isn't like, because the, like the way that like Tether works is um, when, let's see. Um, so like Tether for instance, um, let's see if we can find the real Tether Um, let's try to find the tether printer. Oh, it looks like it got suspended. So there, there's this account that like tracks, uh, so like tether issuance. So the, um, so like this is literally tether, like tether in order to keep the peg tether has to keep a balance of 
So they have 12 billion tether, 40 million euros, 23 million, uh, is that Chinese yuan? Uh, 48,000 gold, <laughs> literally have gold. Um, so like they have to keep this, like these, uh, like these funds on reserve. And, um, so that it's like a really difficult problem as like a business. Um, and so that's like the point of the ample fluctuating supply is that you can like reach the target rate without, uh, you know, without the, um, you know, without having to have like a bank account that's like one-to-one -one backed with dollars. But what you give up in that is that um, like, you know, you sacrifice, like the trade-off you make is that like price can, price, you know, spends more time outside of the target range than inside the target range. Um, you know, but if, if like, you know, we, we've, we've only seen, you know, I guess like it's kind of entered in like this first little cycle before it really was doing anything, but like, we probably need to see, um, if, you know, so that first like phase of ample where it was all positive rebase was about 32 days. I think we need to see another, like, you know, 32 days of, you know, price kind of being down here and then maybe overall it'll average out to being close to this target. And like, you know, maybe that's the goal. Um, but it's, it's a pretty interesting concept. Um, a lot of people got wrecked like buying here. So, you know, where you bought, you know, bought, you buy a hundred ample at $3 each. So you spend $300 and then now, you know, then price goes down to 60 cents. So now you're 300, um, 300 ample or your 100 ample that was worth $300 is now worth $65. So 300 over 65, uh, you're down like 80%. <laughs> and then on top of that, your ample itself is, is getting cut at like 2%. So say you're down, so you start at three, 65 over 300, that's 21%. And then now say your 65 is now multiplied by, you know, say it's like a 2% rebase. Now you're, you know, you're at like 98% of 65. And so it's even lower. <laughs> and so it's just like, if you buy high and then you start getting a negative rebase, your, your losses can be pretty big. Um, and so, you know, there's a lot of risk in this and there's even Brad, risk you some of this early. You brought some of this, what last week? Um, yeah. So I bought some of this last week. I did too. I actually got some, I think on the third or the second, the third was, let's see what day that was. I hope it was when it was low. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. So you actually bought on a really good day. If you bought on the yeah. third, yeah, I did. I mean, yeah, so it's, it's like price is pretty close to that. You, you might yeah. have a little bit of, of ample, um, mm -hmm. you know, but, uh, you know, if price starts to go up back up into the, up into this range, 
um, you know, your ample is going to go up in value and then the number of ample that you'll have is going to increase. Um, so, you know, maybe that'll happen, but you know, it's like, like price could, I think when Ty and I were talking about this, uh, the other day, um, I think that this, like this type of activity that's, that's happening up here, like, I think it, something similar to that needs to happen. Like that's probably going to be, um, you know, like that same type of like market activity. Um, I think it's just going to happen down here. So like, you know, something, you know, how many peaks and valleys is that? Like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, you know, one, two, three, four, say we, uh, so one, two, that was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, you know, eight, like, you know, maybe, maybe the price needs to do something like this before it takes off back up there. Interesting. Uh, wow. What a cool graph. Wow. You know, like, because, because like this was happening because people were FOMO buying in because they, they're seeing everybody's uh, ample balance increasing while the price is increasing. So people are FOMO buying in, the price is going up, and as the price goes up, it, it makes the multiplication of the balances higher. And so it's kind of like a compounding effect that pushes the price and the value up. But it does the same thing in the, in the negative direction, where down here, people are selling because their their balance is getting cut from the from the debate people call it debase their 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 balance is going down the price is going down so they're selling and the act of them selling is pushing the price down even more and so um like that same thing where you know people are are fomo buying up here because people's balances are getting multiplied people are panic selling down here because people's balances are getting uh, divided. So, you know, that, that, that cycle until like, you know, the, the, the tides just kind of turn and then all the people who had, who were, you know, buying the low price ample. Cause like, like the, the way I think about this is that, um, like the people buying down here, like if you bought, you know, you, if you bought ample down here, um, here, let's go back to this chart actually. Um, like on, on this day, like if, if you bought ample down at this low price, um, your, um, like you, you're, you're still getting a negative rebase. So you're losing money, but the, so you're, you're losing ample, but then while you're losing the ample, the, 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 the price per ample is going up. And in this case, like, you know, the, the price, when we just look at this one, like in this single candle, price went up 45%. So if you bought down here and then, you know, price went up 45%, but then your ample that you bought with is only decreasing at like two or 3%, you know, like right here, like uh, 2%, um, then you're in profit. Um, and so as the people who are buyers of Ample down here are buying. And then all the people who are, you know, maybe had bought Ample up here, hoping for the positive rebase, the rebase went negative. 
as soon as all the people who had bought up here have sold down here, um, you know, however many of these cycles that that'll take. And as soon as all the people who are like buying down here, like, you know, do, buy, do end up buying, um, then that's probably when, when the price will, you know, probably turn. Um, so and maybe, maybe that's what this whole, like, you know, ample thing might look like moving, moving forward is going to be, um, you know, something like, let's see how we can do this. Can you all see the, how can I move it? You know, like maybe the, maybe Ample ends up doing something like, you know, I don't even know what, like, you know, maybe it follows some type of like pattern like this where, you know, price spends some time, price spends some time above and it's getting positive rebase. That's kind of creating that like self, you know, fulfilling thing. And then once those buyers run out of energy, and uh, you know, people start taking profit from all the rebates that they got, then they um, you know, start moving in here. So literally like th this could be what, what, what these are, are um, you know, not stable coins, but volatility coins, but the volatility happens in, uh, you know, within ranges that are like, maybe like predictable or maybe within some boundary. Um, and so Ample is just one example. I, I don't know the equation that makes Ample, like that the Ample rebase runs on. Um, but literally just yesterday, a, a, like a, another one of these rebase coins was launched and it was called Yam. It was actually this crazy situation. Like this was actually one of the craziest things I've ever seen in crypto. Um, just cause like Ample like was- Wait, such a, Yam, Like Y-A-M? Yeah, Yam. So here, I'm going to save this just uh, because I like this chart. Um, we'll save that for the archives. Um, yeah, there's Yam. And so Yam is brand new. It just started. Now, this is crazy because um, Ample's uh, rebase it's not necessarily very aggressive. Um, whereas the, the yam rebase is really aggressive. So like at any point in time, um, well, and also, I mean, maybe that's because like, I'm still trying to figure this out. So I mean, literally this thing literally launched how many days ago? We just started the third day. So this thing's two days old. Um, and um, you know, so I, it's still kind of yet to be seen what, what's going to happen. But um, today was like the first major rebase um, because price went so high. Like the target rate is $1, but the price was at 100 and was it like $200? And so um, when this happened, the way like, I think that the equation is um, – 
let me look it up in the television. Uh, let's see if I can find rebase equation. I saw someone. Um, let's see if I can find the equation. Um, okay, so pretty much what, what it does with the um, with the like the rebase is it is let's see I'm, I'm doing this off the top of my head so it may not be fully accurate let's see it's um current price so the amount that you get is the current price divided by um divided by the um divided by the um target or so not the target price but the difference between the like so pretty pretty much it, it's trying to get to it's trying to move ninety percent of the way to the target price. So see how it's settled around ten. They they the the supply increased by ten by by ten x because it, the price was around a hundred and it was trying to get to. 90% of the way between 100 and 1. And so, like, because, and, and then, so on the next rebase, price is going to, like, be, it's not going to be a 10x boost. It's going to be probably something like a, um, like, you know, because it's trying to get 90% of the way here. And so, um, it's not going to be like, you know, because the difference between, moving from 10 to one is a lot smaller than the difference between moving from, um, from a hundred to 10. So the, this next rebase is going to be a little bit smaller, but it'll get bigger if people start to like FOMO in and then push the price up. Um, so let's see if we can find the YAM rebase equation. Um, yeah. And what's so crazy and like part, like, and also with, with, there's so many unknowns, there's so many risks that I'm not really like with yam and even ample too. I'm not really betting on the fundamentals on these. Um, I'm really just betting on like the herd hysteria. Cause like people are going crazy with this stuff. Like everybody, like this rebase thing, like it was actually a pretty surreal feeling. Um, so like, just for instance, um, you know, like, you know, the amount of ample that I had went up by 10 X and the, um, and the, the price of where I bought it at versus where the price of it is now. Like I've had gains because even though the price went down 90%, my balance went up by 10 X. And the price didn't really go down by 90%, um, like from where I bought. Um, so from my perspective, I, I bought around a hundred dollars. Um, and so, you know, the, the, the price is down 86%. Um, and, um, so that, that difference, so like my, my yam position is 
positive now because um, I gained a 10x rebase, but it didn't go down, you know, that same like, you know, 90%. Like, you know, it's close, you know, so it worked like as intended, but because, um, you know, I had bought at a lower price than what the rebase was based on, um, that difference is, is, is my gain. Uh, because my supply increased at a greater rate than the total supply. Um, or, or, or my, like, the, the value of my, uh, like, you know, so my balance times the price went up faster than the, than the um, you know, this price decrease brought it down. Um, so this was the first rebase. Um, and then today, what's crazy, like, on with yam it was actually like a crazy thing to watch unfold um let's just go to twitter.com let's see if we can just look at let's search here yeah um so yam like on their site they like remind you that this is experimental today there was a bug that they found that could have locked up, locked up part of how YAM works. Like, <laughs> this is so funny. Like, today, literally, it, it, it was like the funniest thing to unfold because, like, last night, like, if we just look at all of these, like, st like all these tweets about YAM starting from about yesterday. Um, let's see if we could, like, last night, everyone start. Like, I saw one person start tweeting about yam and then i just looked it up and because i was looking for like kind of like you know a, a DeFi thing that hasn't already been pumped yet um and so yam like kind of fit that criteria um and what's so crazy is that like last night like like i bought some yam then i saw every big like twitter account talking about yam and then yam ended up like the way that yam works is they have these farms and so you can deposit any of these different cryptos. So like there's Maker, there's SNX, Lend, Link, Comp, even the Ample. Uh, like all these different coins you can stake here and then earn YAM for staking it. I actually have some in, let's take a look at this. In this, in, like I have some Link staked in here that um you know that i'm earning yam on this is yield farming but in this case i didn't borrow the link to earn this yield like i, I just bought the link so there's um all the like you know this is like you know part of yam's product is like you can like stake these things you're you're really providing liquidity you're you're like and then you're um able to earn yam so um like there was all this like kind of hysteria around yam. They got something like $500 million of, um, of like, of like assets in here. So like when we look at, um, see if we can find like older, I don't even know where, I'm trying to find like older ones, but like, you know, all, all these people were, were like, you know, buying yam and that, that was what was pushing the price up and then it was so funny like yam like on their site uh like when you first land on it it 
pretty much set like and on their like their Twitter. Um, they like continue to reiterate that it's um, like here. Let's let's go back like way 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 before to see. I'll sh I'm showing you how Yam was, you know, like how they were like describing it. So they launched with just like so August third was when the Yam thing Twitter went live. Tweet it with a yam. You know, people posting yams. <laughs> yam, yam, all, all this stuff. Um, Sooner launched. Okay, so on August 11th, so yesterday, they tweet, um, we are serious about this being an experiment and the code being unaudited. Please exercise some caution. They tweeted this because there was millions of dollars of um, let's see if we can find the, like, over like, you know, 21 hours ago, over $300 million of crypto assets were locked in these farms. Like people were yield farming with $300 million worth of funds. And Wait, what do you mean lost? Just because it went down? It's just an experiment, guys. <laughs> so, well, so like, Yam, like they they can they just reiterate like that they like built this. It's not audited and like things could like use at your own risk. Pretty much is what they're saying. Like it's brand new, and people put a lot of money into it. Just like purely on the meme of like yams, like yam, just like easy to say, kind of sounds like ample. Um, and ample just had like because people made a ton of money on ample like during that whole rebase thing. So. Um, you know, so like people were just kind of looking for like the next version of that and yam just kind of like literally like last night kind of popped up as this thing. Um, and so, um, you know, but today what's so funny, like literally like last night I'm like watching this unfold, um, the, you know, yams like going up in price, you know, people are going crazy, like saying like, oh, the rebase is going to be like 10 X, um, you know because the, the price was so high, you know, like the price was at like a hundred dollars and price wants to be at $1. So the, um, you know, that, that like the rebase was going to be really high. And I think people were expecting the rebase to be really high and the price not to move. But what ended up happening was the price did move. Like the rebase was so high that it really moved the price down. Like when Ample was like increasing the, the, like the supply, people were just continuing to hold, the, hold it. But maybe because this was so big, it was quickly sold down um, to kind of be closer to the peg, like the target peg rate. Um, but, uh, but like today, Ample, or not Ample, uh, Yam figured out that there was a, a bug in in not in in like the the rebase part of the code but there's just like other um other part of the system that it's it's related to governance so yam is like the combination of ample and some other coin that i forgot what it was i think wi-fi and where they took ample's supply like they took ample's monetary policy um but they took the governance model 
of this other coin. And the governance model sets how like YAM operates this liquidity pool. So there's YAM and then there's YCRV. So curve is this other, um, this other like decentralized smart contract exchange platform for stable coins. And so um, YAM, YAM like has this like other thing that's like involved in this, which I, I don't understand at this point. But apparently there was a bug that was gonna cause a lot of the money that was going to uh, you know, somehow be given to uh, YAM holders um, through, through like this like liquidity pool thing. Uh, they, they accidentally printed too many YAM and, but not in a wallet that anyone can access. And the wallet disrupts the voting. And so the governance system where like, where like people with YAM could like vote on, could like vote on like, you know, how the, how that like YAM liquidity pool was gonna operate. There would be, it would be impossible to do votes because there's like pretty much like a blank address that has like a massive, massive majority of the total supply. <laughs> and so like, Literally, like just a bug in their unaudited code that's like related to this like other part of the of the system that it doesn't have anything to do with the rebases. Um, it, it mainly has to do with this like YAM YCRV liquidity pool. So this one, like this, they call it eternal lands. This is like a, it's a, it's a liquidity pool for uh, for YAM. Let's see if we can find it. Yeah. Um, so like, I don't know, I, I, I don't know if this one in particular is it, but like, like th this bug in their code was going to interrupt with this. So not like the rebase thing, which is kind of what drew me to it, but there's this other thing that like people were hoping to like earn yield on that might not work because there's a bug in their code and the only way to, um, solve it would be for people to use the governance model, like this like system of voting where if you have YAM, you can like cast votes on certain things. Um, you would have to vote on a change that they could implement that would fix the problem. And then like, or else, unless this like next rebase happens before this problem is fixed, that whole like extra part of, of yam that like makes it not like not just like ample uh, is not going to work. Like literally it'll be frozen. <laughs> like, and, and like a lot of money might get locked up. So it's actually this like crazy thing that's unfolding as we speak where yam had a bug. Uh, it didn't break like the rebase portion. Um, but the um you know the, like the this other part of the system will be broken and so they literally like in order and cast votes 
to allow the like this governance system to update something in here that will apparently fix the problem. Like, I don't even know, like I, it's, you know, like, I don't even really know what is wrong with it, but they need people to use their yam that they have to vote. Pretty much people need to vote to save the protocol. <laughs> and it's so funny because like just last night there was all this hysteria around, around yam and um and then there's some issue and now it's literally up to the community to cast votes <laughs> they need 160,000 uh votes delegated which comes out to a million and a half yam um well wait, that, that seems unfortunate for them like very sort of yeah. interesting it's like you know and it has to happen an hour but like it's literally like there's a countdown <laughs> and it's so funny because like like one it's just like this just pop, literally like i i started this last night at like midnight like you know i saw yam you know i you know i, I wanted to ride the like rebase pump and then this issue, you know, appears that where I don't even know if it's really the worst thing because the thing that it shuts off, I think has nothing to do with Yam at all. Like it, it, it more has to do with like this particular yield farm on Yam, but like the Yam rebase will work the same. So like on one hand, it, it cuts off your, you know, like one way to earn yield in yam but like the whole rebase thing is i think really the interesting part of it and so you're saying you can no longer access the eternal lands yeah yeah like that, that's from as far as i understand this is the only thing that would stop like and because like i think this is the thing that's at risk um and so like you know, and so like by, by, so what they need to do is they need people to sit like, not, you're not like you keep your yam, you just delegate your votes. So like by holding yam, you get votes in this governance system that like operates that liquidity pool, you know, the, like this liquidity pool, it's operated by, it's called a DAO, a decentralized autonomous organization. Um, and you, you use it by like voting with like the crypto. Um, and so they need to get a hundred thousand more votes in <laughs> or else. How optimistic are you? I don't know. This is like, uh, so I, um, I have no idea. I like, I'm, I'm so intrigued by how this is going to play out. And, um, I don't have enough money in it to where it like is going to hurt me. <laughs> I don't like, this is very tiny peanuts of, you know, just, you know, this like risk money part to like, you know, understand this part, take the risk on like the rebase thing, you know, so I'm, I'm not, I'm not worried. I, I, I wouldn't be worried if I had a lot of money in here. Um, but so I don't know, but, but on the other hand, like maybe getting rid, like pretty much, cause pretty much what it'll, what I think it'll do is it'll just like lock up this governance model. Um, and like 
maybe that's not the worst thing. So I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm still waiting to see. Um, let's see if we can, let's, let's, let's do a little digging here. Let's, let's find the, the yam contract. Let's look at, let's see if we can get any information about this on Etherscan. Okay, so let's see. Um, creator address, okay, let's see. This is the creator address. Where's the yam itself? Not the yam contract, I want yam. Yeah, okay. So there's, that is so funny. 7,200 addresses. Let's look at the holders. I think I saw something that like everyone appears as zero. Yeah, because what happened was that they um, minted a whole bunch of yam and deposited it in, accidentally made it go in this wallet. <laughs> Something stupid like that. Um, and so, I don't know, like this is, this is gonna be one of the craziest things to watch play out here is, is what happens in, in the YAM. Here, let, let's look at the, I'm, I'm gonna pull up the, the YAM telegram so I can maybe see what's going on. Um, People in here are, are talking about to delegate. But the thing here, here's part of why I haven't delegated. One, like, I don't know if I really care to save it. Um, I don't know how big of a difference mine is gonna make. Um, when you go to delegate, look at the gas fee to do this. $32. <laughs> like, because the gas fees are so high right now, because just all the DeFi craziness. This farm might experience a drought. Yikes, 32 bucks, <laughs> wow. Yeah, and so um, I don't know what's gonna happen. I think that Yam, uh, you know, so, so what's crazy is that Yam may, like, like kind of what they were trying to do with Yam may fail, but even if that happens, YAM will still continue to exist. Like, the, it, it like can't be like shut down. Like it'll still just like operate, but, and, and maybe something will be interfered, like with the rebase will be interfered with. Um, because they announced this bug and then the first rebase worked, but I think that first rebase is what broke it. So YAM may continue to operate, um, and or like as a smart contract um, and if it pretty much has the same um, like ample because like the the yam rebase is pretty much a carbon copy of ample so if um, you know if ample or if, if 
Yam follows that, you know, same type of like market structure where it spends time above with positive rebase and spends time below with negative rebase. Um, you know, we, we, we might see that just play out on the Yam chart as well, where, um, you know, this is just like the first day of it, but, you know, where maybe Yam spends some time above, above the, above, and then it, it'll spend some time below the target. Um, you know, just kind of go oscillating between these two areas. Um, and, you know, it, it, might, it might be like a crazy meme in this whole experience. You know, like this whole, it, it literally came out of nowhere, drew in a ton of money, um, you know, had a bug that like still no one's really that clear if it's going to like really destroy it. Um, so like, yeah, so here, here's where they're saying what, what they, what they have to do to fix it. Set rebase to zero. This will pause the rebases to allow them to implement the full fix. Reset yam in yam reserves to zero. This will eliminate the overinflated yam in the yam reserves. So pretty much they're, um, I think I think this is the this is the yam reserves. Uh, they overinflated this address. Like this has thirty two. Like okay, how many zeros? Three, six, nine, twelve, fifteen, eighteen, twenty one, twenty four. Okay, so three, six, nine billion. Three, six, nine billion. So like 32 million billion billions. <laughs> it like they, they overinflated to like their own reserve. And so this is just gonna fuck up the um it's gonna fuck something up with whatever that yam reserves thing, whatever role that plays in all this. It'll just mess everything up. So they need people to they need to reach 35,000 yam delegated to this deployer address. Um, and so they need 35,000 to approve this, like submitting this proposal. And then they need 140,000 to approve it. <laughs> and so like they need all the yam holders to come in here and delegate their yam. So what you're pretty much doing is like, you don't like your yam does, you don't need to vote on your yam. Like you can delegate your yam votes to another yam address. So like I could just delegate my yam here to this. Um, but I don't know if I want to pay 32 bucks to save you, you know, do, do what, like, you know, that, that's some interesting game theory. Do you, you know, pay 32 bucks? You know, so you know that, that's that's almost like I don't know, like maybe six or eight percent of all that I have um, in yam. Like, do I take that six percent loss to try to to try to contribute to yam and, and save yam, or do we just think you know? Do we think that like you know yam whales are gonna come in and save this, <laughs> right? Like, so the yam whale, <laughs> yam whales. <laughs> So yeah, this I'm 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 really excited to I'm gonna be watching the clock and seeing how this plays out because 
I think if this rebase happens before this, I think it'll be impossible to stop. So we will see. I, like, and then the question is, like, like say if, if YAML fails, you know, what's going to happen to price? Like price could pump for some weird reason. Like that, you know, no one understands price could pump if, if like part of YAML, of YAM fails, you know, or, or it could go to zero. And, you know, so uh, like th this whole concept of these like rebase coins, um, they're, they're really exciting, but they're also really risky. And so that's why like, you know, un unless you have like a strategy in place for like managing that risk, um, I usually wouldn't recommend people to be like really experimenting in these things. Like, unless you're like really know what you're doing um, because like you don't want to, you don't want to risk your last thousand Bitcoin, last thousand dollars of Bitcoin on something like this, you know, like you, 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 you only want to be investing in things like this. If you have other Bitcoin that you can fall back on as collateral so that if this trade doesn't go your way, you can use your existing collateral in order to spread that loss over a longer period of time. Um, so, you know, but, but it still is like really cool to like start, you know, experimenting with and seeing how these dynamics are gonna play out with like the supply, you know, you know like how in, in Bitcoin, you know, what we really like about the supply is that it's fixed. Oh, okay, I see. Wow, okay, this number is going up pretty fast. I think I think we're gonna get it. I think Yam's gonna be saved. Um, but like you know, so you know, Bitcoin supply, you know, that's fixed, and we really like that. Um, you know, and that that's what makes Bitcoin useful as like a reserve asset, and and, and it's like you know, like a hedge against inflation. Um, you know, kind of how we were talking about earlier with this company who was buying it as an inflation edge. Like that fixed supply is important in things like Bitcoin, where like, you know, the purpose is to be like a reserve asset. So that like fixed supply makes a lot of sense. Um, but then like, you know, with, with Hex, like Hex has the, it's not a fixed supply, it's a constantly inflating supply where the supply inflates at a constant known rate. Um, and, um, and then the inflation is paid to people who are, who are providing price support. You know, you're, you're exchanging your ability to sell at any time for the right to collect on a larger proportion of the inflation pool that comes out of HEX. So like, you know, in HEX, like, you know, the, the slightly increasing supply um, is useful in that setting where you can have the contract guarantee that it pays yield because the, the, the yield that it pays doesn't come from previous investors. It comes from um, you know, the, the, just like, you know, newly inflated supply. Um, and so in that use case, you know, that, that supply is important. And then with these things like Ample and then Yam, which hopefully, you know, maybe we'll see Yam play out. Um, with these, the, um, you know, like the supply can oscillate pretty wildly, you know, mainly on, on Ample, we've seen it be positive, you know, where it's ab above zero, you know, it's had more days of, above zero rebase than below zero. And so you can see that, you know, like the supply has only grown and then now it's starting to go down. Um, you know, now like, you know, there's this like whole other concept of these 
oscillating supply uh, coins, you know, where, you know, you can call them stable coins. Why don't we coin this here? These, these aren't stable coins, they're volatility coins. Um, and uh, those, those have their own purpose in the market. So, and the market appears to be demanding them, you know, where, where people would be, you know, pushing the price of a coin that's meant to be a dollar, pushing that up to a hundred dollars. Like, you know, people must demand this. Um, and so, um, you know, because these are new, there's higher risk um, and they require a lot more strategy than, you know, like with Hex, it's easy, you just buy it and you lock it and then you don't think about it for years. You know, Bitcoin, you know, you, you buy it and then when price goes down, you use it to borrow against it and then you buy more, you know? So like, you know, it's, it's a, you know, kind of a, like a limited activity, you know, you still have to take some action, but don't really have to do much. Um, but in, in things like this, you know, it's like very active. Like, you know, if you have a lot of yam when it's high in price, you want to be selling into those rebases. Like when you get your rebase, you want to sell some of it so that you have money um, so that you can buy up when, when price is low and the rebase is negative, you want to be buying towards the bottom so that increases in price from where it's at to like where the target rate is, is going to be greater than the amount that the, the percentage that you lose during the time that, of negative rebase where your, your balance is decreasing. So it's a, there's a lot more strategy involved in this. So, um, it, you know, it's, hex is really easy to just like hop into and start doing, but this one, you know, takes a little bit more, a little more research, a little more practice and just like, just knowing how to properly operate like with Uniswap and being able to, or with MetaMask and be able to like set the gas and all these other things. Um, so, this one's a little bit more difficult to navigate, um, but that's also kind of where some of the opportunity lies. Um, but with Yam, you know, it's yet to be seen what's going to happen. Ample has its own risks. Like Ample has like these admin keys that like can apparently interfere with something. So, you know, so all these have like these trade-offs um, and maybe we'll see one of these, like a, like a, like a truly risk-free volatility coin. Um, I think that could be pretty interesting because, you know, the AM, so, you know, we, we saw right here, there's, you know, like the software bug risk, you know, like maybe that, you know, I don't know what's going to happen with that. It could break YAM completely, or it could be a non-issue or it could be fixed using their solution. And if it is fixed, like if, if the YAM holders put together enough votes and they're able to fix the protocol, that could be super bullish for the price. Cause one, it, like what that means is that like it has, a community of people who have a vested interest in this working who are willing to pay, you know, the, what did we say that delegate that fee to, to save was earlier today when I was looking at it, it was like six bucks. Now it's like 33 bucks. Um, you know, like that, that would like prove that there's like, you know, like some community power there. There's some meme power there, you know, like it's a great day to save VM. Um, you know, and that could be really bullish for the price. So, um, since I'm not really trying to accumulate a lot more yam right now, um, I I want the price to go up because I, I, I probably want to be selling yam before I buy more yam. So I'm actually hoping for this to get saved. I don't know if I'm going to delegate my votes, but I'm actually hoping it gets saved and that that 
causes a crazy price pump because people will be like, oh, the rebase is back on. Um, and then that combined with people like, oh, they just saved this. There must be something here. Um, between all those things, I think people could be pushing the price up a lot higher. And then, um, you know, because I had already gone through one positive rebase where my balance increased by 10x, um, if that can happen again, yes, please. Like, you know, like now my, you know, my balance will be up in total 100x from when I started. And if price continues to stay above the $1 target, then, you know, that, that could turn into a, like a pretty sizable return on investment. So I'm, I'm hoping for this to get saved. I'm not too worried if it doesn't, cause it's like not that much money at all. Um, and, and, you know, and, and this is like, you know, this is why it's important to have like a, like a, a big, like Bitcoin, like collateral position, because then you can like afford to like take risk on like very high risk things that could, you know, randomly just like pop off and be like the next big thing, you know, kind of like what Hex was, you know, like Hex was super risky at the start and, you know, I, I was able to, you know, I wish I would have put more into it, but, you know, I, I was very conservative with how, you know, money I put into Hex. I was probably like, wasn't conservative enough. I, I probably put more than I otherwise would have. But since I've been following Hex for like over a year at that point, I was like already into it. So whereas Yam, like literally this came across me yesterday. Um, you know, so you, you can't put too much money in this because there's, you know, you don't, the worst thing you do is lose money. Um, but, you know, just like, being able to have a, like, you know, like that, that's why like, like for most people, like the, like before you can really get into some of these like deep in the weeds things, um, like, you know, most people are better off just building up a Bitcoin position, you know, at, you know, add ETH, add some hex, you know, kind of like these ones that like are just good to hold anyways. Um, and then we have some of that, like just as like your backup, you can then start taking risk on some of these riskier things. Um, which are still a lot of fun too. So, um, so it's definitely a crazy world. Like this is the wild west and, um, you know, these things are unfolding as we speak. Like it's, this is all happening right now. Never happened before. It's fascinating to have you as a narrator through it. I'll say Brian, very cool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it is pretty crazy. Like, we go on quite the adventures. We've been uh, whale hunting with you and, and we've been to the farm so far and they've both had like imminent, like, like it's, it's really interesting. Yeah. I, I feel like every time we get on, there's something going on and that just kind of speaks to the nature of the whole industry itself. Like, you know, there's always something happening and, and, and what they mean, there's always opportunity, right? Like, you know, people like sometimes feel like they're too late to get in, but it's like really never too late. Like there's always, always opportunity. Like there's always something going on that can give you a good price to buy something at. And so like, it's, it's really, you know, it's just good to be aware and, and like, you know, be able to like have the skill, like, you know, so, so you all like, I think could navigate this, you know, but for, for, you know, people who haven't, you know, gone through the hex process, you know, haven't, you know, learned how to, you know, do a trade on Uniswap, haven't learned how to enter a smart contract, you know, by like staking their hex, you know, like, uh, like you need to kind of have those practice reps in before you're able to like confidently navigate some of these things. Cause like you look on here, like literally there's no instructions, like there's no information about what, what's even going on. Um, like there's literally nothing. 
So you, you kind of have to like already be familiar with, with this stuff. Um, and it's pretty funny. It's causing people to like lose their minds. I saw this funny picture here. I'm going to, I'm going to send it into, um, let me see if I can airdrop it to myself. Um, I can share this. Uh, this is actually really hilarious. Uh, okay, let's see. So there's this, um, Funny picture. Okay, desktop one share. Yeah. So I think this perfectly captures like the, the like the sentiment of what's going on in DeFi. There's like the people who are making the most money are mega like galaxy brain people, and then like the dumbest people you could think of, <laughs> like people who just like buying in on FOMO, like all this stuff. And then there's always this like group of, of, you know, average IQ people who are like, just way overthink it. Like, you know, you have to have like, no, you have to have complex reasons for what you're doing. What is the point? What is your goal? <laughs> you know, and then if it's good, I do it. <laughs> if it's good, I do it. Like, and that, that's kind of like, you know, how, how these things are playing out, like where they're like, the, it happens so fast and these things just like burst onto the scene where you like, you don't, you, you don't even have time to like really gather information. And then also like, who are you going to gather information from? Like it's brand new. So like, you know, you either have to like already kind of have a mental framework to like start unpacking these things or you just need to like blindly take action. <laughs> so like, you know, these people are probably like on the right side of this, like these are the people who are like, you know, really tuned in, really like understand these things, understand like how the money flows in these markets, you know, understand how these contracts work, you know, and like they're, they're the ones making a lot. And then there's other people who are just like buying in just cause like literally like browsing around, you know, look at the, you know, just like typing in random letters, you know, find something that you, so bonk, you know, I buy bonk right now, you know, just look here. You know, these people just click there, you know, they, they look at this then they click trade and then they go in here and, and, you know, buy some bunk. Like, like that's what, you know, that's what these people do. <laughs> like no research, you know, no, no effort, but like in, in environments like this, where there's so much, so many things are unknown and um and then the um like there's so much unknown and it's starting from zero so like you know going up a hundred percent from a really small number is like nothing at all so just like you know kind of like the law of small numbers comes into play um where it just doesn't take much money at all to push the prices up on these things um like you know, just craziness can happen. And sometimes the best strategy is to just kind of like blindly buy, but just buy in with like an amount that you're like, okay with like losing. 
Um, you know, like, like for larger amounts, like, you know, like for the amounts, you know, that we've allocated like Bitcoin and Hex, like, you know, that's like with a lot of like fundamental analysis, you know, like understanding the dynamics of the supply, understanding the dynamics of the inflation. And that's like very calculated, but like in, in this environment of like, um, you know, charts that look like, like charts that look like this, like sometimes it's just better just to buy and ask questions later, especially when it's like not too late. Like, you know, I mean, this one's been going up a lot for a long period of time, but kind of this whole like DeFi, like farming thing, this is really like over the past like month or so. So like, this isn't, this isn't like a mainstream thing yet. Um, and people are just now starting to figure it out. So I think there's probably like, just for all these like DeFi coins, there's probably going to be like another wave of like big moves to the upside um, where, um, you know, things just like continue to heat up and, you know, as more and more people get in, more people like, you know, have some experience with these contracts, um, you know, it really doesn't take much like much analysis to like really, really, it's really about like just taking action and, you know, like a, a good strategy around a lot of these things. Like, like I'm literally just like looking at like random coins right now, but just like buying into dips. It's like, you know, you look at like the lend chart, you know, if you can be, you know, catching these dips, you know, you're going to be doing well. Um, you know, same with like, uh, what's another one that really has gone crazy it was Wi-Fi one. Yeah. I mean, kind of, you know, these dips right here, like, buying dips in like crazy uptrends is always a good strategy. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, that, that, that's, that's kind of what like this, you know, this like emerging space that's, that's unfolding is, you know, the, like, you know, where, where you can imagine like any type of like financial contract that happens in the real world can now happen through these smart contracts. Um, like during the first couple of years that that starts to unfold, because of all the unknowns and all the risk, there's gonna be a lot of reward hidden in there. And so I think there, like, there's gonna be a lot of, lot of life-changing opportunities on the horizon in this space. Um, so I would definitely keep an eye on, on these things. And you know, really, it's, it's really just kind of following along in the, in the Ethereum community. The Bitcoin people actually hate this. Like a lot of Bitcoin people are like super salty because like they're not having these sick, I mean, Bitcoin is doing, doing great, but they're not having like thousand percent gains overnight. Like, you know, they're, they're kind of stuck in their own world. Like even right now, like there's been some, like you might've seen it on Twitter. So like this guy, who's like pretty prominent in the Bitcoin community. Um, he like posed the question of like, what is the Ethereum supply? And um, I was listening to, was it this Pierre, Pierre, is he the one who asked it? Yeah, yeah. And I started listening to him on a podcast today. I didn't get that far in, but yeah, I didn't know it was this guy. Yeah, yeah, he's great. I really like some of the podcasts that he's done. Um, and he actually uh, like posed the question of like, you know, what's he's like, what's the ETH supply? Um, and then someone was like, just check EtherScan, and then it kind of kicked off this whole discussion where like part of like Bitcoin culture. Cause it's like, like in Bitcoin, the supply is pretty much the most important characteristic. 
um, and being able to validate like per, you like being like having the ability for everybody or like as many people as possible to independently validate that the supply is what it should be at all times. That's like a really important part of maintaining that supply cap is having it be auditable. Because if like, if, if nobody could calculate what the supply was, then like, how do you know that you have a fixed supply? Um, and so Bitcoin people really care about that. So like you might hear about like Trace Mayer always talks about running a full Bitcoin node. So that means downloading the entire Bitcoin blockchain and then having it um, be listening for the like other nodes on the network to propagate transactions and then for you to propagate the state of the network to other nodes. So it's like, like just holding Bitcoin, you're not really doing anything, but being a, a full Bitcoin node means that you're contributing to the network's um, reliability because it just makes it more decentralized where like if big parts of the network were to go offline suddenly, the rest of the network could continue to carry on until those other nodes pop back online. So um, in Bitcoin, like people care a lot about the, about being able to run full nodes. Um, and that goes into, remember when we were talking about that whole like Bcash war where the Bcash people were trying to make a change that would increase the block size. Um, and by increasing the block size from two megabytes to like eight or 32 megabytes, which they were trying to do, that would, that would increase the required memory um, in order to run a full Bitcoin node and validate the state of the network. Um, and so that was like the, the, the Bitcoin people who ended up winning out, they viewed that as a threat to the decentralization of Bitcoin. And it gave miners more power because running a full node means that you're checking the work that the miners are doing. The miners are crunching numbers, putting forth transactions, and then the nodes are who check to make sure that, the, that what the miners are putting forth follows the rules of the network. Um, and so it's really important to have a lot of nodes who are not mining, who are just like, you know, people that have like small Raspberry Pi or like maybe a laptop that's just like connected to the internet fully and is validating the, the Bitcoin network. Um, like it, it, it's, it's an important check and balance that like in order to keep that fixed supply. So Bitcoin people care a lot about that, but Ethereum people don't. Ethereum people care more about like the, like the developer platform that is Ethereum. Um, and since like Ethereum itself, it's not so much like gold, like Bitcoin's like gold. And so like, you know, the thing itself is like the important part. Whereas like the, the main use case of Ethereum is paying for those gas fees. And so the main use case of Ethereum is like pretty much like its use as part of the Ethereum um, like platform for running smart contracts. Like, and so, um, you know, individual, like, and, and, and because that's the priority, it requires um, people or like, because that's the priority, it requires things like faster throughput, more transactions per block. And so like, you know, Ethereum's block runs it, you know, every 10 seconds there are new blocks and the block size is larger. I don't know what it is exactly, but the block size is larger than Bitcoin's. So the Ethereum blockchain just in general is so much bigger, um, bigger than, uh, than, um, than Bitcoin. 
And so it, it like literally takes days in order to sync a node from scratch. And so like, that's kind of what, what he was really poking fun at. Not that they couldn't estimate what it was because like, you know, they, 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 they can estimate what it is. It's the fact that everyone's estimates were relying on third party sources of data. And that's like what this whole thing was all about. Really. It wasn't really about the supply, which like Ethereum people are much more lax on supply. Like they don't really care about the supply. Um, whereas Bitcoin people really care about the supply, but then they also don't really care about everyone being able to valid, validate what the supply is and Bitcoin people do. So it's kind of like, you know, I, I see where they were kind of going with it, like making fun of Ethereum for that, but it, it really just highlights the, the cultural differences between the two groups and like really what like the goals and the purpose are of these two different ones where like Bitcoin people think you, everyone should be able to validate the supply and Ethereum people don't really care who's validating the supply. Um, and so some people viewed it as like a, a controversy and then other people were like, okay, this is pretty stupid. Um, like, yeah, we can check what the supply is and it doesn't really matter what it is because we don't like, we don't latch onto that. <laughs> so that, that was kind of the source of a lot of the drama in there. Um, and they were just laughing at like how long it takes the Ethereum node to finish syncing. Um, because you have to download it from scratch. So like we look up the Ethereum node size. See if we can find. Okay, so as of April, it's now four terabytes of, of disk space. I don't think I have four terabytes of storage on anything. So like, you know, it's, it, it's like, a, you know, it could be an issue for, for Ethereum in the future. You know, you never know, um, but like, you know, it's, it's really interesting to see how these different cultural elements play out in, you know, real time. And so like, while that was happening, you know, all this craziness was going on, like while the Bitcoiners were focused on being able to calculate by hand what the ETH supply is, there's like been all this craziness in the DeFi space. And so all the Bitcoiners, you know, like in a lot of ways, like the Bitcoin maximalists, they, they just miss out on so many opportunities because they just have their head stuck in the sand and they're not looking for new opportunities. Um, and so um, I think that could hurt a lot of the credibility of like the Bitcoin community and a lot of their purchasing power because like, you don't like, if you have Bitcoin, you want Bitcoiners to be making as much money as possible because then they have more money to buy more Bitcoin with. So like this whole concept of Bitcoin maximalism it's really destructive because if like the only thing they're doing is holding Bitcoin and not selling, like, yeah, they're not pushing the price down, but they're sure as hell not pushing the price up. Um, like you should want Bitcoin people to be like having new money coming in and investing in other things is a great way to get new money coming in. So um, that's like where I think that like the whole like Bitcoin, like I think in a lot of ways the like, Bitcoin maximalist community, they're, they're focused on the wrong things um, and they don't open their eyes to opportunity. Um, and those opportunities are, you know, what can, you know, like if they think they're helping push the price up by just hodling their one Bitcoin and not doing anything with it and not taking risk on other things in order to gain more money so that they can put, buy more Bitcoin, like, you know, they'll, they'll do more for Bitcoin's price by investing in other things and getting 
an ROI on those that they then settle their profits into Bitcoin. Like Bitcoiners should be trying to extract profit from other projects so that they can buy Bitcoin with it. Like, but a lot of them are just like stuck in this, like everything's a scam mentality. Um, and I think that's actually, you know, probably going to hurt the price of Bitcoin in the long run. Um, you know, so hopefully that like, hopefully there's going to be like a big wave of like this DeFi innovation, you know, on top of just like underlying, like Bitcoin's just going to be going up in general, you know, maybe not as fast as some of these like higher risk assets, but like, I think if there's like continues to be a big, like a big uh, difference in the ROI of people that are investing in DeFi products versus people that are just like hodling Bitcoin, um, you know, people will come around and so maybe, maybe that'll change in, in some time, but, um, you know, it's, you know, it's more, 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 more Bitcoin for me to be buying. If, you know, if, if all these Bitcoiners that hated on Hex didn't, you know, double their net worth because they didn't invest in Hex, then that's more Bitcoin that I can buy, you know, from the profits that I made from the thing that they wouldn't touch.